0: Hello and welcome. My name is Emma De La Rosa and I am the host of the Bedroom Studios podcast, the podcast where we talk about what goes on behind the scenes in a musician's world and bridge the industry gap by bringing their stories, expertise, and advice to early career artists. Subscribe to join us for a fun chat about life as a creative person, tips and tricks for pursuing an artistic career, navigating the music industry, and more. Today on the Bedroom Studios podcast, I will be interviewing Zachariah Bashir-Hill. Zachariah Bashir-Hill is an audio engineer, music producer, videographer, photographer, and multi-instrumentalist based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Originally hailing from Massachusetts, USA, he got his start as a bassist in various musical theatre productions in the San Francisco Bay Area, before returning to Boston to study contemporary writing and production at the Berklee College of Music. There he began to develop his own unique style of arranging and production, based around the aesthetics and values of modern and postmodern musical theatre. He went on to pursue audio engineering and multimedia, earning his degree in music technology and digital media at the University of Toronto in 2023. I was so excited for this interview with Zach, especially since we recently collaborated on two new singles of mine, one of which is already out on all streaming platforms. It's called Better. We talk a little bit more about that in the podcast episode, but Zach is a person of many, many talents. So we talk about a wide range of his musical projects. It was so much fun and really interesting talking to him. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be here.
0: For those of you who don't know, Zach produced and engineered and mixed and mastered. My new song, "Better," Woo-woo. and one that's coming up, and did the music, recorded the music video for it. So he's had hands and all of these, and all of these things, which is really cool. Yeah. So, well, I,
1: it was a cool project to be a part of, or both all of the projects that were <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> the projects many multitudes. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm so glad you're here, and that we get to talk more about. Your music and what you do. The first question I like to ask is just kind of how did you get started with music and how did your journey lead to where you are now?
1: Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, yeah, I guess I kind of started, like, I guess at the, at the beginning I started off playing piano because I remember I was like always like sort of a, a techie kind of kid. And my mom was like, oh, well, you got to play an instrument. So what are you going to pick? And I was like, well, the piano, because then you can play all of the instruments, which it was kind of a galaxy brain trick when I think about it. Like, you know, (laughs) looking back on like now knowing about what I know about samplers and stuff. Um, But I was never particularly good at it. So I ended up sort of switching over to bass Um, and then kind of throughout when I was a kid uh, or throughout my teenage years, rather, I kind of continued on. I, I played bass mostly. Uh, And started doing, like, a lot of theater stuff, uh, playing bass, and then also doing, like, arranging and things. Um, So then when I went off to college, I went to uh, Berkeley in Boston. And I was kind of, like, pretty straight ahead. Epic game plan was going to be do contemporary writing and production, become, like, an arranger and a bass player, and then try and, like, set my sights on Broadway. um, Which did not happen, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, likely for the better. Um, although I do still have lots of friends who, uh, who are kind of in that world. Um, but yeah. And then, so then I kind of, uh, as I was sort of working through my undergrad, I sort of realized that, um, I was becoming more interested in kind of the technical aspects of recording and whatnot. And the degree I did was, uh, there was a lot of production stuff. So it was a lot of like technical production things. And then also a lot of, um, kind of arranging and sort of like, uh, written music, um, the, the word they use at Berkeley because it's like a, they've got to have their like weird Berkeley word for it is writing, which I have been told by multiple people makes absolutely no sense. Like, I guess I guess it gets conflated a lot with like the profession of writing in terms of like from the perspective of like a journalist or like a copywriter or whatever. Mm. Um, so you know, it, it's it's separate from that, but that's kind of what it was always called is contemporary oh, okay. writing and production. Um, and then after that, I kind of sort of started realize I was, realizing I was more into kind of the technical stuff and. Uh, That was when I sort of decided to to look into kind of opportunities going further from there. And then I, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I ended up uh, going to U of T um, and doing my master's in music technology, which is kind of, um, you know, I I, I ended up going further into the the deep end of kind of the the audio engineering stuff. And then kind of a lot of other uh, sort of, I guess, of of the more technical kind of aspects of uh, of music and then video and all kinds of stuff. Um, But, yeah. And and now I'm, I guess, uh, yeah, I should clarify where I am now. <laughs> so now I, I, I do a lot of, uh, still do a lot of production stuff, do a lot of um, engineering stuff. I don't arrange stuff much anymore, but I, I enjoy doing that. Um, yeah. And then I've been doing a lot of video stuff as well. Some animation things, just pretty much anything, whether it be directly or tangentially related to music in kind of the technical sphere, sort of where I, uh, where I operate. Yeah.
0: Very cool. I... Okay, so I feel like this is a question that most people who know you would ask or at least think about, Okay, but you know so, so much about a lot of different things. How, how do you know so much about so many different things?
1: Man, like, that's a hard one. I like, (laughs) it's it's like, I don't know exactly why. I think it's because I I have this, like, I, I can't just know a little bit about something. Like I have to know everything about it, which I'm not always successful at, by the way. Like there are plenty of things that I still have a fairly limited knowledge of. But, you know, I always try to kind of wrap my head around why things work. I guess that's kind of like been, you know, that's kind of just like one of my philosophies in life is like I just need to know how things function. Um, And so I think it's mostly just that curiosity that sort of driven me into sort of doing different things. So like when I was, uh, I guess when I was, in my early teens I actually started my my whole video, my whole prospects were to do kind of the video thing so I I started working at my like local community access tv studio so that was kind of where I started doing video stuff and then I kind of moved away from that and started working on more music things and then kind of towards the end of when I was in college at the beginning of grad school that's kind of when I started to sort of shift back into getting getting more into the video stuff and uh, mm-hmm. doing more music videos and kind of more random, uh, experimentations, things like that. Um, but I guess, I I guess part of it is because like, I, I grew up in Silicon Valley, so I kind of had, you know, I guess it's kind of like, you know, how when you're very young kind of language develops in your brain. For me, it's just that kind of technical language of everyone kind of overcomplicating everything was so entrenched in me from when I was like, so young that now I've just like, kind of developed somewhat of an ability to kind of see through the like the charade um when it comes to kind of when it comes to like tech marketing and things but then also when it comes mm-hmm. to like complicated explanations I can sort of I find it easier to make sense of it than I think a lot of other people do just because I you know because c- I kind of came from that background of like you know having to try to piece together like these things that were over complicated for absolutely no reason <laughs> when I was <laughs> uh when I was younger so yeah
0: so about your musical theater endeavors do you have any funny or weird crazy stories from that world
1: oh that's a good question Hmm. there aren't any that like immediately come to mind I think that like so I was always kind of in the like pit orchestra sort of like area of things so I was either doing like most of the time I was playing bass and then I would also you know do arrangements do kind of orchestrations things like that um so like i can't think of anything immediately but i know that like for sure the vibe when you're in the like pit orchestra in a theater show is just kind of wild because like if especially if you compare it to kind of you know what you traditionally think of when you think of people who are like oh i'm i do musical theater stuff or like i'm a singer or whatever there's like a there's like a real seriousness to it a lot of the time you know and like i know theater kids can be you know goofy and whatnot but like in general people like take their craft very seriously and like the same is true of the the musicians i think who work on those kinds of productions but it's amusing when you have people who are like that but also you're in like a literal pit under the stage and you can just goof around (laughs) as much as you want and like no one's gonna stop you um so yeah i mean i can't think of, of of anything yeah like directly um like i said but you know like it just the general vibe of like being in mm. that space is very like it there's like an understanding that like nobody really cares like you know what i mean like people are there to see like the show and the um mm. and whatnot and of course people care about the music and people care about the live music but it you know it's sort of like this sense that you can kind of just like you know, you can kind of chill out and, like as long as you as long as you know what you're doing and you're like actually playing things correctly, because if you're like totally bombing every night, then that's like a different story. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like as long as you like reach that like baseline of like actually kind of doing the job beyond that, you know, you get there are, like a decent amount of hijinks that ensue. Like, I guess mm-hmm. I know like one thing this wasn't like a, a story related to me, but I know like the <laughs> this was something that was going around when I was uh, uh, when I was in my undergrad that was uh, I had a friend who. Met the trumpet player for Phantom of the Opera, which is since closed on Broadway, and apparently, like the entire show, he just like reads a book, like he just he just like cycles like different, or he he used to like cycle different books basically, um, just because he knew he had all the music memorized, so it was just like anytime he wasn't playing, he was just like sitting there like <laughs> laying back <laughs> in his like chair, you know. So it's like things like that, even where it's just like you know, <laughs> because there there are no eyes on you, you can kind of just like. <clears throat> Chill, you know, it's, yeah. it's fun, yeah.
0: I, and when I was in my fourth year of my undergrad, I played in two uh, student productions. One I was subbing for, so it was just oh, nice. night. but for both times we were on the stage in the back.
1: Oh, um, that's fun.
0: <laughs> it, it was because we were still like pretty goofy and just like enjoying, um, but the audience could see everything that we did yeah and i always just have this like stupid big smile on my face all the time and so the audience <laughs> would just see me just really enjoying myself
1: <laughs> oh yeah i feel that big time i was um a couple of the shows i did so there was this like thing when i was in high school uh i think it was called the drama llamas and it was like this oh
0: my gosh I yeah. love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like this like self-run kind of like musical situation um So it was, like, always written by students. And I just remember the guy who ran the theater, whenever we were like, hey, can we open the pit for this show? He was like, absolutely not. And we had (laughs) a pit. And everyone always were like, we were always like, you know, just tell us what to do. We'll, We'll get all the stuff out of it. You know, we'll open it all up. And he was always just like, absolutely not. So, yeah, whenever we did those kind of, like, those like uh, original productions. It was always a bit of a you know stay on the stage and kind of try to mm-hmm. try to like limit the hijinks visually, <laughs> but sort of keep it kind of going <laughs> under the hood uh, thing. So yeah.
0: So you went to school in the U.S. So did you have those like, the big theaters like in the the movies?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like our theater was fairly big, um, at least at my high school. It wasn't like huge.
0: But was it like um, a le- it was a legit theater, right?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was like I would equate it probably more to like a community theater than like a like it wasn't like a if you if you go to like you know Danforth Music Hall or whatever like it's, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well,
0: I'll, I'll give you some context because <laughs> um, in I in my experience going to school in Canada, <clears throat> how they do it in most. This is how they do it in the high schools, but they have a stage in the cafeteria, and then Mm. the back of the stage is, like, a classroom that is the drama classroom. So if you want to do a show, you just, like, pull out the chairs in the cafeteria and use the stage. I see. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. So in that sense, then, yes, we did did have a theater. I think it was, like... Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I, th- I thought you were talking about it in the sense of like was it like did it have like a balcony and like the whole night. Oh, no, there no. were schools <laughs> like near where near where I lived that did have like those kinds of absolutely oh, wow. v- absurd facilities. Um I think our theater was like 200 seats or something oh, my so my it, gosh, it wasn't sorry. small. Um but yeah, it was it was all built in like the 60s I think or something. Mm-hmm. So it was very like you know, it it was pretty like old technology. Kind of mm-hmm. running, running the whole thing and whatnot And I remember I was, I was always like The pit was super cramped And I remember being really annoyed because I was talking to the old Band director at one point who was the band director Before I was there and she was like yeah when we Originally built the place we almost ran We almost put, made the whole underside Of the stage hollow so you could use the whole thing As a pit and I was like are you serious that would have been So much better <laughs> than us like Cramming into this like tiny little space Right in front but um, Can
0: you imagine a bunch of high school kids just running around Underneath the stage <laughs>
1: No, yeah, exactly. Well, because they were going to get like the, you know, like in Hamilton when they have like the people that like come up from like the middle of the stage or like on they the were gonna do that? they were going to set something up like that, which was like, but oh. then that, I guess that plan got axed for budgetary reasons. But uh, yeah, that was kind of the original thing. But no, it was like a very nice theater, but it, it was, um, yeah, I, I think it was probably closer to like what you would expect from like a, like a town hall or whatever mm-hmm. than, than maybe like a, a professional music venue. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. I remember in grade, I think grade 11, we went on a music trip to Boston with the band and we did like a festival there. Um, And it was at a high school, but it was, I I don't know if it was a private school or public school, but they were, they had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And there was this giant separate building that was like a library. And then they had this separate building that was, for the theater and we walk onto wow. the stage and we're you know you're you're playing for the adjudicators and so you're supposed right. to be like quiet and professional we literally walk on the stage and someone's like this is a high school what
1: like, oh man yeah no like there are definitely places like that like i i remember even because we did a lot of um for the, my first three years in high school, I was in marching band, and so we did, like, a lot of uh, just going to, like, all the competitions would be at, like, various high schools in the area, mm-hmm. and man, some of those places had money, like, yeah. they were tricked out, uh, which is not <laughs> to say that our district wasn't, like, well off, but it was it was, like, it was kind of, like, astounding, like, you'd walk into yeah. these, like, just gargantuan spaces and be like, holy crap.
0: It's like a university size <laughs> campus, but just for high school.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It was, like, One of the weirdest ones I remember was, like... Because we we always did our shows on, like, the football field. I remember, like, Mm -hmm. the most confused I've ever been was one place we went. The football field was all, like, that... That, like, rubber material that they have on, like, playgrounds.
0: For for football?
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe it was because it was, like, just marching band was, like, the only thing they did on the field. um, Or something. But I just remember being so perplexed. Like, why would you build a football field (laughs) but make it, like, tennis court, like... (laughs) Like flooring, like what? So yeah, I yeah, don't know. I,
0: I hope people didn't play actual football on there because that would that would hurt.
1: Yeah, that sounds like painful. <laughs> yeah.
0: So in this topic of, I, mean, I know we kind of veered off a little bit, but oh no, worries. Uh, how does the, your experiences with musical theater influence the music that you make now?
1: That's a good question. I think that a lot of musical theater sort of. Like a lot of the musical theater canon is very like piano based just because like from a logistical standpoint, you have this thing where like a lot of the times the conductor is the pianist. And if not, they're like the people who are teaching the singers, all the songs and right now. So they need to be able to like actually play the accompaniment and stuff. Um, So it's interesting because I am a absolutely horrible piano player. Like I am not good, but like I think of things very much kind of in that way. Um, and so like a lot of the kind of I don't know, a lot of the ways that I go about doing, whether it's arranging or production stuff is very much kind of thinking from that perspective of like, you know, you only have you can only have so many things that are going on at once. Right. So it's like, in a sense, it's kind of like a piano vocal score where it's like, OK, you've got this, you've got this and you have two hands. Right. So it's like uh, whatever. And then using that to kind of uh, like pushing kind of pushing that out to different sort of instruments, different like synthesizers, whatever to kind of create something that is cohesive, but built of like a bunch of different um, blocks. Uh, there was an interview. Oh, this was like ages ago. I don't remember the source on this one, but um, do you know who Alex Lacamoire is by chance?
0: Oh yeah. I love him. I love him okay. so much.
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he, he did an interview where he was talking about when he started working on Wicked and I think st- was it steven Arimus? was i think the orchestrator on that um and he said that there was like something that they were playing and so he they'd like they'd had it written out as like a piano score and they brought it into the orchestra uh to play it and they played it and he was just astounded that there was no piano when the whole thing started off as like one piano um part and it's, it's very easy to kind of fall into that trap with musical theater stuff, making it like extremely piano based still and having the piano do like everything. And then the bass does like whatever the left hand is doing mm-hmm. and the guitar like plays the chords and, you know, bada bing, bada boom, you're done. Um, so I guess that was kind of uh, th- that's kind of the way that I've always sort of tried to think about it is like, how can I make it like, you know, you can involve like a piano as an instrument, but like, how can you make it so that it's not like you're just taking sort of like one you know, one demo, whether it's like a piano demo or or, a piano demo or a guitar demo and just like basing everything around that, like how do you kind of bring in other things, bring in other instruments and like, you know, come up with different ways, different and new ways of kind of trying to, you know, move these things around. Um, So, yeah. And and I guess I also, it's interesting because, you know, the piano is always sort of that rooting instrument. But I guess when I tend to use piano stuff, it's always very like, uh, even well, I guess I guess the viewers at home will have only heard um, better, not the the other tune we did together. Uh, but even the I don't know if I'm allowed to say the you if say I'm it. allowed to spoil anything. Okay, so anyway, it's a tune mm-hmm. called "Someone I Adore," um, and there are some piano parts in there, but they're very like kind of melodic and like sort of using the piano almost like a trumpet or whatever, where it's like kind of like like taking the concept of of sort of where you have like you know the piano or one rooted instrument kind of holding everything together and dividing that up into like multiple parts so that it's like the whole ensemble of everything whether those be real instruments synthesized instruments whatever that whole ensemble is kind of what's holding the whole thing together and then reincorporating the piano but not as that kind of like foundational instrument but as something mm-hmm. that it is one of those pieces building up kind of that large part um so I guess that's kind of the way that I like yeah. to think about it. Um, but I do sort of think about things in terms of piano, which again makes no sense because I'm a terrible piano player.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I really loved what you did on that second song, Someone I Adore. And it, listening to what you were saying, I was just thinking about my own music because I, even though I haven't been as involved in the music, like musical theater in general, mm-hmm. um, I think my my songwriting is very... It, it it shares a lot of similarities like you know the storytelling and all that and right. so I would always write my stuff just on piano or like on an instrument and that's something I struggled with like kind of moving away from just having it mm-hmm. sound like a piano ballad with some more instruments added to it you know
1: right right no I definitely kind of had that as well where like you know it's really easy to just kind of like take that sort of like you know the, the baseline sort of thing and then just build around it um but I think it's, like, I guess there, there's some amount of, like, you, you can't, like, whatever your bass instrument is, it can't do everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's got to be kind of something else. And, like, even if it's, because um, I guess I've listened to a lot of, like, uh, you know, Sarah Bareilles and whatnot. She's kind of always oh, been a favorite her. of mine. Um, and it's really interesting because if you listen to, like, especially, like, her first record, it, it is pretty, like, you know, she's kind of playing the tune on the keys as she's singing it. But it's interesting how all of the other instruments kind of complement that in an interesting way where none Mm. of them are kind of trying to step on what she's doing or or really it's it's kind of it's sort of that same idea where i guess instead of taking what's kind of on the piano and breaking it up you're keeping that there but then you're kind of creating something that creating something around it that you can't just mimic on the piano like that is kind Mm. of its own thing um but yeah no like and it's interesting, too, that you say that, because, like, especially for better, like, when I think about that piano riff, that's, like, such a, like, oh, I could totally imagine, like, a theater, like, a theater version of that, with that, like, piano uh, yeah. ostinato thing. Like, oh, that'd be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always keep on saying I should try to get into musical theater a bit more, because I, I love it, and I know that I would love it. Um, it's just never been something that I, well, I guess... I did a little bit I did some pit band stuff last last year but Hmm. yeah gotta gotta make some time to explore that
1: (laughs) yeah no, it's like it's a wild world of of theater stuff so there's there's all kinds of things like I'm always sort of astonished because I I have this tendency to like I I don't keep super up with like all the latest shows and then like every couple years I go back and i look in on like what's happened in the last couple years I'm like wow that's wild <laughs> like you know just like 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 looking back at like the kind of the new technologies that people are using and everything um mm-hmm. and everything so yeah it, it's really cool like you know any any angle you take it from it's very interesting because the thing about theater is that everything has to be done live mm-hmm. right so there are all kinds of really just weird and bizarre ways of making things happen live that you just like wouldn't think of but are like totally ingenious solutions you know
0: mm-hmm um, I, I wanted to ask about, cause you're talking about music production. How do you choose the sounds that you, you want to include like in a song or in a project and especially when they don't exist then you have to create them like with synthesizers or something?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think that I tend to, I tend to focus, like, I don't know, I I tend to just hear things <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't I don't know, like, a way to put it of it, Matt, but I tend to just, like, hear an idea and then drive myself crazy until I can figure out, like, what the closest approximation of that idea is. <laughs> um, and I guess, like, you know, with time, the more you do things, the more you kind of get used to, like, oh, I kind of can sense sort of, like, sort of what this is. Um, even, like, the violins and stuff and better. I just remember, like, I think we had most of the song kind of, like, put together. And I was just playing it back and I was like, no there's something, there's something here and it's missing. (laughs) And it was like, it it took me like a minute to figure out what it was, but then I was like, Oh, it's like, there's, there should be some kind of a string thing here. Um, So yeah, like, I I don't know. I guess it's like not a particularly helpful answer and I feel bad for that, but it's like, (laughs) I don't know. I I think it's just like, you know, you, the idea that any music can be original is kind of bogus. Like, cause everyone is sort of just an amalgamation of all their influences So I guess it's just kind of like, you know, over time, the more things you listen to, the more you're able to kind of draw on those influences and use them in creative ways um, and whatnot. So I I guess that it's like it it sort of just comes from having having this giant pool of influences and over, you know, over however many years thinking about like, I wonder how they did that. And like, I wonder how they did that. Mm -hmm. And then whatever. And eventually you sort of like build up like a I think this is how I could maybe do that. And then, you know, the more you do that, then when you start to hear things in your head, you can kind of like rebuild it. Um, But a lot of that also is just like, like literally trying to, trying to mimic things. Like Mm. if you, if you hear a cool sound, just like trying to figure out, like, I wonder how they made it and sort of just trying to piece it together and figure out whether it was like a synthesizer or like a, uh, you know, or like some kind of a sample that's like super warped or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And just trying to find like find ways of sort of recreating things and then the better you get at recreating things, then the better you can get at like recreating the things that sort of just come to you in your head, you know?
0: Very cool. Yeah. So you do a lot of collaborations, especially, I mean, as a producer, it's kind of your the main thing that For you sure, might yeah. be doing. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Do, do you have an approach to collaborating and does that change depending on what your role is in the project?
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I have like a unified approach to collaborating, um necessarily. I think that like, hmm, I I guess it's a tricky one. I think the reason why it's tricky is because there was one piece of advice that a good professor of mine, uh, at Berkeley, uh, Loudon Stearns, uh, gave me was basically he said this whole like networking is complete BS. Just make friends, like. Mm-hmm make friends in the industry, like get to know people and whatnot. And that's kind of, you know, that should be uh, kind of like what you sort of driving kind of thing is. And he was like, I think after that, he said that he, and this is my, this is like a professor was like, I've never applied for a job wow. because his point was that basically like in the music industry, it's kind of just about knowing people and just about like, you know, doing what you can to like get along with people. So I guess that like in that sense, It's very dependent, I guess, on like kind of what the vibe of the collaborator and the collaboration is. Um, But I guess I always approach it from the thing of like, you know, like, like obviously we're working on a piece of music or like a video or whatever. But like at the end of the day, this is also like a person that has ideas and they're trying to get those ideas out, you know. So I guess I kind of try to try to think of it like that. In a sense, like more, I, I guess I think of it more like collaborating kind of as working with people rather than like, you know, maybe like trying to blend my musical style <laughs> with someone else's or, or like whatever. It's it's more just about like, you know, let's we've got two people, two creative people in a room. Let's like see what we can make. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So when I recorded my music with you, it was very organized and. There is kind of that trust of like okay like I know I'm in good hands and I know that we're going to get everything done that we needed that we need to do and it's going to go really well. Was it a process to get to a point of like okay like I've I've worked with a bunch of people and I know this works this works this works and this is how I want to run my sessions or I guess what I'm saying is like what is your approach as a recording engineer?
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, so ooh, that's that's a good one. Yeah, I think that like <laughs> i don't know I-, I come at it from different angles because i always like to try something different and something interesting that's like i don't know I- i'm i'm always intrigued by like what kinds of weird sounds you can create and what kinds of like useful ways you can use them so like even on the better session um like on the the drums for that we had mm-hmm. like I-, I plugged like <laughs> i plugged like a pair of headphones into a di box we had a uh, like a tim's coffee cup filled with water and like a like a guitar pickup like sat inside <laughs> of it. That was one of the microphones. So all kinds of like bizarre stuff. Um, so I guess like, you know, fr- from the standpoint of like, y- you know, cause I guess a lot of people will be like, Oh, what microphones do you like? What, you know, whatever. I think that like I can basically make anything do there and, and whatnot. And I'm always intrigued in like how I can sort of use things in, in weird and interesting ways. Um, but yeah, from, from the-, the standpoint of like managing sessions and things, my goal is always to kind of try and, like, f- as, as quickly as possible, figure out, like, where we are. Um, yeah. So that's why my, like, the number one thing... I don't remember who taught me this, but, like, the number one thing is when we start recording, I'm going to hit record at the start of the song, and you're going to keep going until the end of the song. And if you completely bomb and fall apart... I don't care. I'm not stopping. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we're going to keep going because then that can kind of like give everyone who's there, whether it's the musician, whether it's me, whether it's, uh, you know, the artist or if there's like a producer, it sort of gives everyone the sense of like, okay, what, you know, what's happening? What's like, where, where do we think we're going to need to spend more time? Where do we think Mm -hmm. like this section is good? You know, whatever. Um, So kind of coming at it from that sense, it's like, I find it's a lot easier to sort of manage your time when you have an idea of like, okay, here's how each of these parts is going to go. And here's what we need to work on. Um, And then when you're doing that too, you can also figure out like even more technical things like um, say like, okay, there's a big hole here and it's long enough that the symbols can decay. So we can record this part separately from this part. Mm. Um, And I find that that's like a perspective that I'm sure there are other people who can just like get that right off the bat or get that through like talking with the musicians. But at least for me, like I love to have just that, like that one take that like we get through no matter what, even if it's like a total mess, just because, you know, then it's like, okay, here's, here's what we've got. Here's our baseline. And then let's kind of keep working up and then, and, um, and, and making it better from there. Uh, and I think that there was, I'm forgetting who it was, but someone, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at remembering who said things. This might've also been uh, Loudon Stearns and uh, said that like the, like what's the job of a producer and everyone was like trying to come up with these like academic explanations of like what a producer is. And he was like, producer is the person who watches the clock (laughs) and decides (laughs) when to move on. And I guess that really (laughs) stuck with me because like at a certain point, you know, especially when you're, when you're doing kind of, I guess like what I tend to prefer to do where it's like, you know, you're recording with real musicians uh, in a recording studio. There is a time limit and there is, you know, oftentimes a budget and it's like, okay, we, we only have this much time in the studio. Um, and so being that kind of like final arbiter of the time is is very important. So I think that like anything you can do to kind of anything you can do to help that sort of mission of kind of keeping things together that way uh, goes a long way. So,
0: yeah. yeah, it's nice having someone else in the room that you trust to because I don't I for me, there's when I'm recording by myself at home, I'll do so many more takes than necessary. <laughs> um, but it's nice to just have someone be like, okay, that was a good take. let's let's do the next one. I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. yeah. and I know there are like lots of uh I guess vocalists in particular who like like prefer to record at home so they can record like a bazillion takes. And mm-hmm. that's like totally valid. you know, I'm not I'm not trying to knock that or anything. but there is also something nice about having someone else there who can be like, you know, from my perspective, listening to this in a different room than you while you did it, that sounded perfect. And like, we're good. You know, mm-hmm. um, there is there is something very kind of reassuring about that, about yeah. having someone you trust just be like, nope, you're don't worry, you got it. Let's, yeah. Let's keep going, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Because otherwise, it becomes like an infinite time sink. That happens to me when I'm when I'm recording bass <laughs> stuff, too. It's like, if I'm in the studio, and I'm, I'm playing bass on something, I can like, you know it's like you understand like okay we only have this much time so like you know what am i gonna what are we gonna prioritize so that like we get the best recording possible whereas like if it's me i could just sit here for four hours and just grind <laughs> the same dumb fill and then like you know in the mix it's like barely audible but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know
0: and then the more you the more you repeat it if it's going on for a really long time then you, mm-hmm. like for me anyways i tend to get really tired and then nothing i do sounds good and yeah. I either end up going back to one of the beginning takes or I just mm-hmm.
1: give up. Exactly. And also part of it is like at a certain point, everything just stops making sense. Yeah. Like, like when you have so many notes about like, okay, this word I need to sing like this and this word I need to sing like this. Then at a certain point, you're just like, what am I, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> like, like I, like you, you completely lose like the, um, the actual kind of, you, you lose track of like what, uh, what you were aiming for at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, do you have any projects that you've worked on that you're either just really proud of, or that you did something really cool, or experimented with something that you like to talk about on the podcast?
1: Yeah, for sure. There was a song called "Better" by <laughs> No, I can. I I was very proud of that uh, that record, though. I will say. Um, no, like I like the, I was I was really happy with like how that. Um, how that came out. And I like, you know, I, uh, my partner Camille is always like her desk is like right next to mine. So, you know, she listens all to all of my, like absolutely insane antics. And I just remember that was like one of the ones where when I was like listening through to sort of the final mix, she was like, you know, this sounds really good. And I was like, Aww. yes that is like the best, <laughs> yeah you know, it's like, that's like the best review I can get, um, on anything. It's her just being like, Oh yeah, I, I like that. Th- that thing you're working on. And I'm just like, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, there's that, I guess the other thing that, uh, that comes to mind is just about a year ago, I think from when we're recording this, it's like a year and a couple days ago. Um, the, the sort of the first record I ever produced for someone got put out like officially, which was, I don't know if you know, uh, Rose, uh, Sonnen. No, um, I don't No, She, so she's a, she's a harpist, um, I think she's I think she might be at Rose Harpist on Instagram but don't don't quote me on that. Um and she came to me with this like really interesting idea or she's like okay so I'm a harpist and a singer-songwriter and I have a band. And I was like okay. And so the the whole record is it's it's her she's singing playing harp and then there's a bassist and a drummer and it's like pop tunes. Um and she she describes her own style as like cheesy. <laughs> That's kind of like <laughs> I don't know if I would necessarily go that far in my own sort of uh, description of it, but like, I don't know, it it has a very like, uh, almost eclectic feel to it because it's like you have like the harp, which is not a traditional singer songwriter instrument by like any stretch. Um, And like, you know, using that as like sort of the main building block of a pop record is, uh, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. I remember at first when she like told me about it, I was like, huh. (laughs) <laughs> like, and I was just like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to make this work. But I was, like, so determined to try. Uh, and I'm really proud of how it came out. Like, we try to – there are, like, whole bits in there uh, where they're, like – we ran guitars through, like – or not guitar, We ran uh, harps – like, the harp through, like, distortion pedals. Ooh. And, yeah, we did, like, all kinds of just, like, absolutely just bizarre, unhinged things. Um, and there are some times where we're, like, double-tracking harp – uh and stuff which is for those of you who uh you know any listeners who are not in kind of the the music industry that's when you like record something twice and you put it put one in the left ear one in the right ear um which is something that you traditionally do with like guitars and such but it was interesting because it was like a lot of trying to figure out how we could break up what is basically like a piano worth of instrument into like different segments and find different ways of recording it and, and whatnot um so yeah i guess that that would be another one that uh that comes to mind uh and then i do also have i guess i have some other personal projects but none of them are released yet That i'm so i'll 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 clarify i'll start by saying that i'm not normally like a composer or like a singer songwriter or anything so i don't normally like write my own music i tend to prefer to work on other people's music and like help them kind of uh you know realize their vision because i guess that's yeah, to, to to me that just like makes more sense, I guess. I don't know. I I love I'm the kind of person where if someone gives me an idea and I can roll with it, I find that way easier than trying to come up with an idea myself. Um but I did do this uh yeah, this one project which was for my it was actually for my master's thesis, which I've been meaning to release and just <laughs> keeps getting like uh you know, keeps getting pushed down the pipeline. Um But it was interesting because I'm also a a videographer and a photographer. So it was kind of like this weird combo of like me trying to make an album that was also a photo book that was also a video series. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of just like uh, it it ended up being like sort of me going around to various different places in uh, Toronto and, you know, taking taking photos of different kind of. Uh, parts of the sort of urban design and then using those images as like a jumping off point and um, and sort of like, you know, t- to create kind of like this sort of this video series that kind of went along with those photos and then also sort of this uh, music that was created in tandem, which was all based around um, the Disclavier, which for folks who don't know is like a, it's like a piano that you can play with a computer is basically the best way of describing it. Um, so it was all kind of this like, quasi generative not in the like not in the 2023 ai generated whatever but like (laughs) using kind of uh, using baseline ideas and algorithms to kind of generate interesting ways of having things played on a real instrument and then recording that um so yeah and then it kind of the whole thing ended up uh, sort of becoming this uh i don't know i think it's a pretty interesting project of kind of just my sort of interpretations on like the way that cities are designed and kind of how that reflects uh, the priorities of the city, um, you know, and how, how we can sort of like, I I know, I I guess I didn't even get into like, you know, my ideas for solutions. It was more just like kind of my observations as someone who is, you know, typically like a, a transit user and a pedestrian and and like exploring different urban environments and kind of how they, uh, you know, how they feel, uh, to be in and then kind of using the music and, and whatnot to augment sort of the, the, the photos. Um, So yeah, at some point that'll be released. So if you're, if you're into that, you know, feel free to follow me on the socials and whatnot, but I, uh, yeah, I don't don't have any timeline at the moment for, for when it's going to come out, but hopefully soon.
0: (laughs) That is so, that is so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Like as a musician, but also as a music teacher and geography teacher, that is, that is very cool. Yeah. That's my second teachable. Um, That's cool. might have my students do something like that one day
1: yeah no for sure I feel like it's a a good project just to like go places and just like take pictures yeah and just like experience them and just like think about kind of like what what the place tells you about about the priorities of the people that made it you know Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting
0: yeah we did something like that um one of my courses this year we went to what was it Kensington Market oh nice yeah like a field trip And uh, we sort of thought about how we would, how would we, if we were to bring students there, what would we have them do? Oh, I see. Yes, a geography assignment.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, because I guess I always think of geography in terms of like the broader, like, let's look at maps kind of geography. But it's interesting to think of it like that, you know, in terms of like localized geography being a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fascinating. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm very much more of like a human geography person. I don't really, right. yeah, I don't. I guess I I have to know stuff about the physical geography because I have to teach it eventually. But right. I get I get excited about the human geography stuff. I think it's much more interesting.
1: No, absolutely. I yeah, no, I'm like endlessly fascinated by, by all that kind of stuff. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for as an outs as an outsider. I I get the sense that you know stuff about the music business. I don't know to what capacity, but um in your opinion, what is like the most important thing to know and or how would you recommend educating oneself on music business things?
1: Yeah, man, that's that's a tricky one cuz I think I do tend to know like, I, th- I think I tend to know a decent amount, especially about like, I'll say I know more than I think the average musician does about like music copyright and things, but I am also not a lawyer and like, please don't take anything that I say <laughs> <laughs> as like legal advice or whatever. But, um, you know, I think that the most important thing is just kind of getting to know other people. I-, I guess it's sort of echoing kind of what I had said before. But like, I think that the, you know, th- the fact of the matter is that like, the whole business is just about knowing people and at a certain point like you know you can only know so many things so it's like at a certain point you have to like start knowing people that know things uh and whatnot so like i am definitely not the most like well-versed person in a lot of kind of the more uh businessy aspects of things but i think that it's just you know a lot of it when it comes to you know, whether it's building a following or just like knowing who to work with on things, a lot of it just comes down to kind of trying to just get to know with get to know and be friends with kind of as many people as you can. Um so I guess that's kind of my like overarching uh philosophy on it. Um and I do know like a decent amount about how stuff works, but you know, it's not like every time I talk to someone who's like a m like a music copyright lawyer, I'm like, Oh, I know nothing <laughs> You know. So yeah. it's like there there are people who who definitely like are, are really like kind of plugged into that. And so it's like, you know, I think that at a certain point you're better off cutting your losses and kind of trying to, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> trying to sort of like get to know people like that, um, who are kind of more plugged into that world. And I think that's one of the cool things about the music world too, is that it's very like, you know, it, it's all very sort of connected in the sense that, you know, there are some people who are like, you know, wonders that can do everything by themselves, but, Uh, A lot of what makes these things happen Even if it is just like an artist that like Does everything by themselves In their bedroom like the people who Help manage the merch and do the music videos And stuff like it is at the end of the day all a team Effort so yeah
0: Yeah How? So in getting to know A lot of people And collaborating with them how do you avoid And like just avoid People who Would either take advantage or who just Like wouldn't be a good fit
1: yeah that's a good question man like you know i guess in the music industry there are kind of people who skew more towards the like the like oh i produce music and it's like because you have like a guitar and logic pro um and then there are people who more (laughs) skew towards it in that like you know this is actually something that they're like really pursuing kind of as a as like a a, of like a full-time thing so i guess i kind of I guess I tr- I try to use what I know to sort of gauge how much other people might know about things. So, you know, like if you're at like a thing and there are people who are like, Oh yeah, I'm a producer. And then you go- they go to the desk, they like sit there, they turn a kick on and they turn the bass all the way up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I like, I have a sense that like, that's not necessarily something that would like maybe be the best choice unless you're just like a pure, like vibes only. Uh, thing so i i guess for me because i guess i'm more on the technical side of things i tend to kind of you know when i'm I, I guess when i'm trying to choosing people to work with and stuff i try to think about like how they sort of view the the technical aspects of the thing like or uh, of the job like because there are lots of people i know who are you know not necessarily like the most technically minded uh people but they take sort of the technology seriously and they you know they try to kind of engage with it as much as they can and you know use it to their advantage and and um and what and of course nobody's gonna know everything right but then there are some people who like you know watched like three youtube tutorials and are like i'm a producer so it's like you know you you kind of have to i I guess in some sense gauge what people's like commitment level is to like whether they're willing to kind of put in the work to um you know to, to like get to kind of a level where um like like you know, like put in the work to sort of get to the level where it's like, okay, now I'm getting to the point where like I have the technical knowledge to like be able to say something and to sort of be able to get mm-hmm. my message out versus the people who are more just like, Man, I wanna make something that sounds fire and you're just like, Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um So I don't know, I, I guess I guess that's kind of what I what I try to judge for. I guess in a sense it's like whether people are in it for like for sake of like you know oh i've seen other people that are producers and i'm a producer and that's cool versus people who are like you know actually genuinely interested in like the musical Mm -hmm. aspects and then like kind of what the technical background is that's like required to make that happen um so you know and i i don't mean to judge or anything too i'll say that like you know if if your thing is like man you go get like (laughs) you go on like splice you find an epic kick drum sample and you just like throw it together and make it really loud and you have fun with that that's like totally awesome uh and i'm like you know i i 100 percent support you doing that it's just that like i guess for the for sort of the styles that i work in that kind of a workflow tends to get pretty like you know it tends to get pretty limiting pretty quickly i guess mm-hmm. so i kind of try to think of it like that of like what's kind of the scope of what someone does and sort of like how how much would that bring to the table if we're working on something together you know
0: mm-hmm. so this is um, like more of like a shared values type thing
1: Yeah, exactly, you know, Um, and and I'm, like, you know, more than happy to, you know, I would much rather work with someone who, like, doesn't know everything, but is, like, a cool person to work with and, like, chill, um, than someone who is, like, an absolute genius and just, like, a nightmare, (laughs) you know,
0: so. Have you ever had a collaboration experience that didn't, either didn't go well or didn't go the way you thought it would?
1: Um i'll say not really on that one actually i think i've been pretty fortunate to like generally people who i've worked on like especially bigger projects with it's been people who i kind of know to some extent outside of the project um and so that tends to give me like a pretty good sense of like where things are going to go um so yeah again i guess it's like a similar thing where it's like i sort Mm -hmm. of try to get like a vibe for like who people are whether that's by by actually knowing them or by um you know, like oh, they're good friends with a good friend of mine, and like, you know, I I I trust them through that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, like I I don't know I, I, I try to get to like get to know people to some extent before I like yeah. sign a contract, <laughs> uh, just because yeah. like, that that makes things a lot easier. Um, uh, you know, and and at the end of the day, you know, it's like it's all a collaborative effort. You know, it's about the people you want to work with. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah,
0: and in um a previous podcast episode um one of the guests who was saying like if you don't know someone can, like start off with like a small project
1: That's yeah exactly really low key.
0: and then you know, build it up which yeah yeah
1: or even like you can even go like even one less than that even if you don't want to do that is like if you're like say having a recording session just be like oh hey do you want to come over and sit in you know because that'll mm-hmm. give you some sense of like the vibe of like how they work and if they're going to be just like totally off the wall insane or you know <laughs> if they've got like you know, if they're gonna like you know maybe like lend some insight or whatever um you know, and that can give you kind of a sense of like how they think and whatnot um so yeah, you know i I think that's that's a very very good advice is like small projects and or like places where you can kind of get a vibe of them um
0: commitment to start yeah exactly no,
1: exactly <laughs> yeah
0: you mentioned this a little bit before we started recording, but mm-hmm. how do you how do you manage? working on a bunch of different projects at the same time
1: yeah um like literally there's an app called things and it's great (laughs) um so i'll say that um but like you know i'm not the best at kind of trying to keep multiple things in my head at once so i guess i kind of try to try to think of it as like focused pockets of, like, working on things. And sometimes for me that even means, like, I have to, like, schedule out, like, I'm working on this now and then I'm working on this from this time to this time because it's, like, otherwise I have nothing that's, like, keeping me in place from getting, like, way too absorbed um, with something. But I think that having some kind of a way, whether that's, like, you know, an app or, like, a mm-hmm. um, like I used to do it all in, like, a notebook, um, but having some kind of, like, global overall sense of, like like these are all of the things I have going on and this is kind of how they're all going to fit together kind of in my schedule and like how I'm going to make it all happen. I think that goes like that makes so much sense and it makes it so much easier. Um, and then also, I guess like, you know, knowing when to kind of just like give up on something and come back to it can help too. Um, Cause I know, especially when I do stuff like um, I do some projects that are more like electronics based um, kind of in terms of like, you know, making modding audio gear guitar pedals stuff like that and i am not an electrical engineer (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination so i think sometimes even on projects like that having like finding a balance where it's like okay i need to have enough time to work on it so i can kind of have some understanding of what i'm doing but not enough time that i drive myself completely crazy because i have i can't figure this one thing out and i've been sitting here for two hours staring at a circuit board like why work work thing you know um so, yeah, I think that just like, you know, if whatever you can do to kind of have an overview of like what things are going to look like um, and even like uh, sometimes I'll do like because I tend to map out like when I'm working on things and stuff. So if I like sort of on one day of the week, like look at my whole next week and just go like, OK, this is kind of when this is all happening and sort of like just like mentally prepare myself for like uh, for like what's going to happen. That tends to to help a lot. But I, it's kind of like the um, the thing of like you have to set up you know, like, boundaries for yourself of, like, this is this time and this is this time. And, like, at the end of the day, you know, you can change it around a bit. But, like, you know, having that, like, idea of a structure in place kind of helps sort of keep things somewhat collected, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's, like, especially when you're not in school, it's, like, for me anyways, it's so hard for me to maintain any sort of structure. Yeah. You don't have to be somewhere at a certain time.
1: No, exactly. Because there's, like, something holding your feet to the fire to, like, actually go and, like, go to class or go to whatever, you know? So it's, like, having you know trying to create that kind of a structure is kind of like for me i find the most important thing but i also know other people who like don't operate like that at all and like that they find that too confining so it's it's about what works for you i think at the end of the day
0: on the days where you don't have the motivation to do something are there like any other ways that you combat that feeling
1: yeah that's that's a good question i guess i don't tend to I normally don't tend to have issues having motivation to do something. I'll say that. I'm one of those people where I'm absolutely a procrastinator, but I'm the kind of procrastinator where I where I will work on something else under the guise of oh, it's work. <laughs> it, you know, to like trick my brain. So I guess I'm I'm not kind of I don't tend to have too much trouble like doing something, but oftentimes it'll be like okay, so I just spent six hours tearing apart this VHS camera when I have this project that's due tomorrow. <laughs> like, what am I doing? So um, in terms of like, you know, getting, getting over that, like, I think it's still something that I, I do have some kind of issues with. I think that like the main thing that sort of keeps me in check on things like that is just a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's something that I've like learned is like, I am much better at working to a deadline than I am to kind of, you know in terms of like even like you know my own projects where they kind of just get like backburnered forever because I just like keep uh, you know i'm not the best at like actually kind of uh like prioritizing them because there is no like hard and set like this needs to be out on November's like 18th or whatever and it's mm-hmm. like i gotta like you know make it happen um so i i guess for me it's it's even if i don't have a deadline setting a deadline and setting like mini deadlines for like okay this is when like the rough cut of this video is going to be done, um, and because it's like a like a my own kind of deadline. If I don't necessarily meet it, it's not the end of the world. But like trying to kind of, you know, I try to kind of keep myself in check that way because it's like if I make myself think like oh I I need to have this done, then I will be more likely to kind of actually sort of get over to it and and get mm-hmm. it happening. So yeah, yeah,
0: like flashback to me editing podcast videos on the Wednesday night before they come out, <laughs> it's yeah, two like no, <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I absolutely feel that so hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're kind of at the end of our chat, and so I have two, I have two last questions. The first one is, uh, if you had any resource or piece of advice that you could give to yourself when you were first starting, music, or creating art, what would you what would you tell yourself?
1: I guess I would say to try to kind of towards my younger self especially to try to kind of try to do something you haven't done before on every project like and that can be simple and that can be crazy but try to try to do something that you haven't done to kind of keep you you know even if everything else in the project is like a chaotic mess or whatever and like you're having a lot of trouble with it at least there'll be one thing where it's like this is the thing that I can tinker with because I guess I'm I'm a tinkerer, so finding finding that one thing, um, you know, like I guess you know even on better it was like all of those just absolutely bizarre drum mics that I set up and like trying to find ways to use those. Like one of them was like we had a we had a guitar that we tuned to like the the key of the song and we just like left it in there, and then like whenever like the drums would hit it would kind of like huh, the strings out and stuff. Like just trying to like find a way to 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 use that um, because you know if. In the event that you're ever stuck on something, it can be really helpful to just have something that's like your own weird mini pet project to just return to (laughs) just like your little comfort space to be like, all of that is not working out how I want it to. Um, And I don't know what I'm what I have to do to make that happen, but I can play around with this (laughs) and maybe something good will come out of it. So um, I guess, yeah, that would that would be uh, the thing I would think of off the top of my head.
0: I know I said I only have two questions, but. I'm going to ask another one. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: uh, When you have so many sounds and so many tracks and a lot of things happening in one session, Mm -hmm. how do you make it into something that's cohesive where, you know, there's your, it's not just this collage of all these different sounds, there's like some, there's direction and something that the brain can focus on throughout, Uh, Mm -hmm. and like, how do you, how do you put that all together?
1: that is a very good question yeah i think <laughs> i I think i guess the way that i try to think of things is i don't like actually visualize it really but like as kind of a flow chart of like what goes into what goes into what till you have two channels that are left and right <laughs> you know um so i guess like in my in my workflow i tend to for most things use external summing which is just kind of like a there are plenty of discussions online about the validity of external summing, and I'm not going to get into that. But for me, <laughs> it's nice because at the end of the day, I have eight channels. And for each um, for each group, that takes two. So it's like this left and right for each group. So I, at the end of my mix, I have normally a drums, uh, a, like a drums track. I have a vocals track. I have a like guitars-ish, maybe bass kind of thing track and then i have like an everything else um and so kind of being able to think about like okay at the end of the day everything is going to end up in like one of those four buckets right Mm. and then it's like okay well how do i now within this bucket how do i make everything work together and if there are two things if there are two things that are clashing like maybe you have to find a way to like kind of um get those to fit together but like a lot of it's like just continually working back the chain where it's like you have you have two things that you get to work and then you, you get, you combine those with two other things, get that Mm -hmm. to work. Then you take that, combine it with another thing, get that to work. So it's always like, for me, it's like a very iterative process of like, just like, how do I, how do I get it? So that like the structure of this like inverse pyramid, all kind of works at every level. Um, And I think that that makes it easier because it's like, you know, if you're only comparing two things, like, okay, I have this and I have this and they're not fitting together and I need to figure out a way to make them fit together. To me, that's much easier than like, I've got 10 things and <laughs> everything feels non-cohesive. So how do I make it work? So it's like, you have to kind of, when you're taking things apart and using them, like kind of um, like editing them or, or mixing them in kind of those ways, you have to think about like, okay, well, what is the like fundamental thing about the sound? What do I need to get across with it? And then like, how do I how do I take the priorities I have for this sound, the priorities I have for this sound and like meld them together into something that like, you know, it might not be the perfect representation of this or the perfect representation of this, but they work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking that and kind of, you know, repeat ad nauseum until you have a mix that hopefully sounds cohesive. Um, I don't know. I guess that's probably a good life philosophy too, in some sense, but mm.
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: break things up into smaller things. and There's something there, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So you, you add like philosopher to your list of all the things. you do.
1: Yeah. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: Anyways. <laughs> so last question, um, of mm-hmm. the interview. We made well, not because
1: I'm having a good time, but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. um, so do you have any music recommendations that you would like to share with the audience?
1: Oh, music recommendations man that's tricky um there is okay there's actually you sent me a song off this ep like ages ago which i just started listening to more um
0: is it the uh, oh wonder
1: yeah it was it was the home tapes by oh wonder that i've been listening to a lot i think it's really cool because it's kind of got this like groovy sort of thing um like i don't know it's got this like really interesting groove to a lot of it that's like not like it feels so bopping and it's like totally like the vibe is totally there but it doesn't actually go like super hard in terms of like if you if you take a step back and you like listen to it you're like oh this is chill but like it's it's chill and you can like really bop to it um Mm -hmm. which i dig um i guess yeah a lot of i don't know a lot of what i listen to tends to be like early fallout boy records which is very like "Ah!" (laughs) you know like full (laughs) tilt all the time so i try to like break it up um so yeah, that's that's a, a cool uh, record I've been listening to, and then I also saw. I only got a chance to listen to one of the songs off it, but um, Walk the Moon released a new EP, I think today. Oh. Um, and I don't know. I've always kind of dug their stuff. I know, like Shut Up and Dance is like their big oh,
0: yes.
1: their big hit, but um, oh, that
0: is a throwback.
1: I know oh it's so good though, man. If you've ever been at, like a, in like a wedding band and played that song, th- <laughs> like people like with a bunch of drunk people losing their minds it's amazing um but yeah i mean what i listened to of it was was really cool and i think that my understanding was that i think they're going on hiatus so it's kind of like their last thing before they go on a hiatus for a bit um so yeah i I haven't fully listened you know got a chance to listen to that one yet but what i have heard is good so i'm i'm excited to explore it a bit more
0: nice okay oh
1: we're done oh (laughs) r.i.p Well, thank you for having me on.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bedroom Studios Podcast. Don't forget to add this podcast to your playlists and to like and follow. And you can do that on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify at Bedroom Studios Podcast. I will also be linking our guests' social media in the description. You should definitely check out their music. And lastly, don't forget to follow our playlist of guest music recommendations. We update it every time a new episode of the podcast is released. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Bedroom Studios podcast, and I hope to see you in the next one. Bye!